Good morning, historians of the internet. I uh, hope everybody's had a good week so far. Um, I haven't really done a whole lot with the book, uh, just because I'm trying not to burn myself out on it, but it's almost done. Uh, I'm getting ready to go take some pictures. Uh, the owners of the property are really understanding. They're just as long as convey the message that trespassing is very bad somewhere in my book. So just to dive right in, this podcast is going to be a little, might be a little longer than normal. Uh, it's going to be about the man, the myth, the legend, Davy Crockett. All right. So now just who was Davy Crockett? Excuse me, David Crockett. Well, if you were to ask someone a hundred years ago, they might have told you that he put the sun in the sky, killed three bears before he was ten, and was tall as a Georgia pine. In reality, he was a frontiersman, congressman, and defender of the Alamo. And quite honestly, there's a lot of fiction about Davy Crockett that uh, stems from his frontiersman days. but And you can read about that in a separate book. There's a bunch of books about him. and you can ask Jim Claiborne. Uh, he's a authority on Davy Crockett good friend of mine. So he was uh, born to John and Rebecca Cro uh, Hawkins Crockett in Greene County, state of Franklin. That's Tennessee. His grandparents were killed um, in Hawkins County near right somewhere near the middle of town uh, during a Native American raid. But anyway, uh, he was born on August 17th, 1786. And Crockett's would open up a tavern on the uh, Great Stage Road between Knoxville and Abingdon. Um, at some point, John Crockett hired Davy out to uh, Jacob Siller who, to help drive a herd of cattle to uh, somewhere up north in Virginia. After that was done, Siller tried to kidnap Davy by force after the job was done. Um, the boy, Davy, actually escaped sometime at night by walking seven miles and two hours through knee-deep snow. He made his way home in sometime between 1798 and 1799. And he started school, but, but liked to play hooky and ran away to escape his father's strict punishment. He called it strategic withdrawal. It lasted 21 and a half years. While he worked as a wagoneer and day laborer and had odd jobs to support himself, when he returned home in 1803, he'd grown so much that his family didn't recognize him at first. But when they did, he found that all was forgiven, and he repaid their generosity by working to discharge his father's debts, which was somewhere around $80, I believe, $76, $78. Uh, he, he would return to school for a couple of months. Now, common story down here where I'm from, is that Davy Crockett went to the Benjamin Kitchen School in what is now Russellville, uh, Tennessee. It's reported that he got expelled expelled for fighting, and then he went. Then his father sold him out to uh, go herd cattle. And like I said, there's a lot of myth and uh, fiction around Davy Crockett. So if something in here is wrong, I do humbly apologize. Post if somebody was to ask, I'll provide the links to where I got this stuff. So he'd go on to marry Polly Finley, and they had two sons, 
John and William, and they settled on the Mulberry Fork of Elk River in Lincoln County, Tennessee. They moved again in 1813 to Rattlesnake to the Rattlesnake Spring Branch of Beans Creek in Franklin County, Tennessee. And that's sort of close to the Alabama border. And his military uh, career began at that point, and he enlisted in the militia as a scout under Major Gibson in Winchester, Tennessee. Uh, to help avenge in a Native American attack on Fort Mims, Alabama. On November 3rd, under General Jackson, uh, Davy participated in a massacre of the Indian town of Tallahatchie, and he returned home when his 90-day enlistment for the Creek Indian War expired, which I think was around Christmas. He re-enlisted the next year as a third sergeant in Captain John Cowan's company. He arrived uh, November 7th, the day after Jackson took Pensacola and spent his time trying to ferret out the British-trained Indians from uh, the swamps down in Florida. He was discharged again in 1815 um, as a fourth sergeant. He arrived home and found that his wife Polly had given birth to another daughter, Margaret. Although she would pass away, and I'm not really entirely sure why, because she was reported that she was in good health. But anyway, he'd go on to marry Elizabeth Patton, who was a widow herself with two children. And he'd set out to explore uh, land near the Alabama border, and was reported dead from malaria. And his apparent resurrection surprised his family when he returned home. You can imagine being freaked out by that. They moved to what was soon to become Lawrence County on Shoal Creek and became a Justice of the Peace in 1817, resigned that position in 1819, only to become the Town Commissioner of Lawrenceburg uh, sometime that year as well. He was also elected Colonel of the 57th Militia Regiment in the county uh, that same year. Now, I know I'm skipping a lot of the 1820s here, but by the 1830s, he had he had undertaken a stint as a representative of West Tennessee and a brief tenure as congressman. Now he, Davy uh, Crockett, ran again for Congress and won over General William Arnold and uh, Colonel Adam Alexander. Now it was at this point where he was openly split with uh, General Jackson on several issues such as Indian reform and land reform. And during his campaign uh, for a third term as congressman, he actually began to openly attack uh, Jackson and his policies. Now, common thing I'm told is that when Davy Crockett was out politicking, um, when he walked up to somebody, he always carried a bag of tobacco and a bottle of whiskey. And I, I think even a cigar, too. What he'd do is... Back then, you'd spit out your backer in respect to the other person, and so you could talk to him. And he'd he'd politic him and tell him what he was for and about and all this, that, and the other. And when he'd leave, he'd give him a chew tobacco or a cigar and a swig of whiskey, and that was he left him the way he found him. And that that might have been a part of the tall tales that was told about him, but. That just might have been just a thing they did back then. I'm not entirely sure. 
1833, uh, he did win a third term and was exclaimed to be a staunch anti-Jackson candidate for the president for the presidency by the Whig Party. Now, he actually thought himself to be a good candidate. Now, this could have been just some kind of weird tactic developed by the Whig Party, and it might have been just a tool. But he was defeated in Congress by William Huntsman, who was a lawyer with a wooden leg, who was very strongly supported by Jackson himself. And it was likely that he... Uh, votes for Mr. Huntsman were paid for by Jackson or endorsed. Now the actions taken by his quote-unquote Whig friends caused him to uh, set off to explore Texas, which is something he had threatened to do for a few years before that. Because at that time Texas was not a part of the United States. Um, he did follow through with this threat and delivered the all-famous uh, quote, since you have chosen to elect a man with a temper toe to succeed me, you can all go to hell and I'll go to Texas. Now, when he got there, um, he had no immediate intentions of joining the Texan War for Independence. Uh, he would write his last letter there, stating to his wife, Elizabeth, that uh, Texas was the garden spot of the world the best land and the best prospects for health I ever did see. He said, and I do believe it is a fortune to any man to come here. There is a world of country here to settle. Uh, he then set out for the Rio Grande, but he had arrived at San Antonio late February and found the Americans fighting the, the Mexicans. Found himself in yet another predicament, but, you know, Davy Crockett was a pretty legendary man by this point. He found that the Americans were split between the Whig philosophy and those supporting General Jackson's administration. Crockett, who really loved a good fight, decided to stay and join Colonel Travis, who himself disregarded Sam Houston's orders to retreat. Now, Davy Crockett did not support Jackson or anybody that supported Jackson. So rather than listen to to a Jackson supporting Sam Houston, Crockett stayed in fight. Now, he also believed in the future of Texas and believed, believed that he and his family would have a great future there. Now, unfortunately, the tall tale of a man would die in, in battle on March the 6th. Now, there's a bunch of different reports as to how he died, so we'll leave it as that he died in, due to unknown circumstances in the battle. Some reported that he was the one of the first to die in battle. Others reported uh, seeing him laying there with uh, bodies all around him. I believe that report came from the only male Texan to survive the Alamo. And somebody else said that he was shot while cheering on his men to do their jobs. But these are but a few entries from the life and times of Davy Crockett. Now, none of you guys are familiar with Morristown or East Tennessee, we do have the Crockett Tavern Museum. Uh, it's curated by Mrs. Sally Baker, who's an authority on Mr. Crockett. She's very, very smart, a great friend of mine. And then there's also the Crockett birthplace up in Limestone, Tennessee. And I don't know anybody up there, but 
I did get to go up there a time or two, and pretty smart people. So I'll leave this uh, podcast on the note that, with the quote Davy Crockett says, as made famous by, be sure you're all, you're right, or be always sure you're right, and then go ahead. I hope everybody has a great week ahead of them, and we'll catch you on the next Saturday podcast. <laughs>